Today on Ag News Daily. Really allows dairy farmers to address some of the biggest challenges facing the industry. It's a bolus that sits inside of the reticulum of the animal, and from there, it measures temperature, rumination, and activity. Listeners, June 15th. Happy halfway through the month of June. Thanks for listening to the Ag News Daily Podcast. Tanner and Delaney here joining you on Thursday. Ready to roll, Delaney? I certainly am. Tanner, how about you? I am, and going to hit you first with some weather updates. We still have air quality issues in Minnesota and Wisconsin, according to the National Weather Service. Thunderstorms are possible in the southern plains today and potentially could become severe. Large hail, strong winds potentially, and some tornadoes are forecasted for Oklahoma and Texas. More storms are possible Friday afternoon through Saturday night with hail and damaging winds. Be prepared for hail for up to the size of baseballs and winds up to 80 miles per hour. Here, Delaney, I thought we reserved derechos for the Midwest, but these severe thunderstorms are expected to erupt again Thursday in the southern plains, pushing across the eastern parts of Oklahoma and Texas into Arkansas, Louisiana, and pushing eastward. These severe storms could run up to the qualifying winds of a derecho, which obviously we know here in Iowa is a line of severe storms with widespread widespread damaging winds that could lead to tree damages, power outages, and destruction of buildings. So we'll continue to keep an eye on that. This, though, is part of a system of storms that has been kind of almost terrorizing the southeast over the last three days and will continue as that pressure system continues to sit down there and dump continued supercells of rains. Again, looking for warnings in those areas through the weekend. Tennis ball to softball size hail headed their way. Well, Tanner, we got word yesterday that the Federal Reserve has not raised interest rates after a two-day meeting. But they did indicate that more interest rate hikes would be coming here in 2023. This is a little bit of a shock as a lot of folks were expecting to see some sort of interest rate hike, Tanner. But uh, it left alone, at least for now, the Fed's key borrowing rate target of five to five and a quarter percent. And um, they said, like, I mentioned there that they meet again in July and a few other times this year, and they're going to hold right now, but probably going to have at least two more interest rate hikes later this year, Tanner. Yeah, most of the talk is around the lack of change in information that was presented to the Fed. Obviously, uh, inflation is one of their key indexes, but what else they've been looking at really didn't see any updated reports. So they'll be looking next month at the July meeting to have three months of data When you look at uh, inflation, you continue to look at uh, the consumer price index and continuing to watch other economic factors. However, after the announcements that there are looking at future hikes for the end of this year, gold, silver, precious metals all plummeted. And I use plummeted as a dramatic term, but all dropped. Uh, There was uh, the Dow Jones was also down after the news broke that there would be future hikes. Uh, This is just a reminder. Our listeners probably don't need any extra reminders, but they are sitting at that five to five and a quarter index, which is 5% or 500 basis points higher than where farmers were borrowing at two years ago. So 
uh, a pretty big jump the last 18 months as these hikes have continued to happen. So yes, there's quite an interesting method to what the predictions are going to look like for next month, but ultimately they're going to try and grab a lot more detail. Well, I'll just blend this in with my ethanol update. Delaney, ethanol output did fall for the first time in the last three weeks. Stockpiles were lower also. Production of the biofuel dropped to an average of 1.018 million barrels per day. That's down from 1.036, which was one of the highest production levels in quite a while. Inventories for the week that ended June 9th were reported at 22.226 million barrels, down from 22.948 million for the seven days reported before that. So continuing to watch ethanol production and inventories. Well, speaking of ethanol production, there is one Southern Iowa biodiesel plant that has decided to stop production. A biodiesel refinery in Crawfordsville, Iowa, that was capable of producing about 10 million gallons of fuel each year has ceased operation. According to the chief executive officer, he said they really have loved what they're doing and they're, they really tried to keep it going. They just needed more certainty. To keep the facility in operation would have required investments in equipment that would not pay off, he said, depending on how federal policy changes toward the industry. And he said specifically it's unclear how the $1 per gallon federal tax credit for biodiesel production might be extended into the future and whether federal mandates for the use of biofuels will be expanded. So unfortunately, they've had to shut their doors, Tanner. But this facility is among 11 biodiesel refineries in the state of Iowa that last year produced about a total of 349 million gallons of biodiesel fuel, according to the Iowa Renewable Fuels Association. Yeah, that makes you wonder as uh, we look to the future of commodity pricing, as well as the market for biofuels, if we'll see any more additional news like that. But we can now see out of the agricultural department, Committee voting from Wednesday that states a couple of foreign countries may not have the ability to purchase land in the United States. The committee meeting on Wednesday was echoing and exploring the limits of the USDA to see if it has authority to intrude upon sales. The targeted countries right now are China, Russia, North Korea, and Iran. The farmland provision is a part of the annual USDA FDA spending bill that was approved on a party line vote. The Republican majority defeated the Democratic amendments that were in there to potentially add more money for WIC allowances to restore a $2 billion fund for financially distressed farmers and to maintain over-the-counter sales of mifrostrone to people with prescription. Uh, a couple of Republican uh, representatives were stating that we're not appropriating monopoly money and some hard decisions had to made as far as the budget production goes. Discretionary spending, which was a portion of the discussion, was also uh, added into this, uh, looking to see what the future of this bill may have as far as spending goes and authority for the USDA is focused around if the USDA has the ability to uh, stop purchases of farmland. The Ways and Means Committee approved a bill on Tuesday that it would levy a 60% excise tax on the land purchases by citizens from countries in China, Russia, Iran, North Korea, Cuba, and Venezuela. 
must stop what is happening before it's too late was the common theme as far as this goes. So they'll continue to look at directing the USDA to take such actions that would prohibit the purchase of ag land by those countries and take a look to make sure that this is something that our constitution allows. So quite interesting there where they're putting the authority Delaney on the USDA rather than another organization when it comes to the sale of farmland. Yeah, I saw that article as well, Tanner. So glad you brought that to our listeners' attention. But yesterday we saw Russia issued a statement that the goodwill, they're calling it, cannot last indefinitely when it comes to renewing the Black Sea grain deal. This is just a day after President Putin said that Moscow was considering withdrawing from the accord due to the U.S. and Western countries cheating. But Tanner, this is just stacking up against the deal as we have it going into expiration July 17th. That's the date we'll be watching here again to see if any sort of an extension is reached. But in the meantime, it seems like Russia is adding a lot of fuel to the fire before that date happens. Yeah, it's not stacking up quite well because we also had headlines yesterday of both Putin and the president of Belarus uh, stating that they had shipped and received nuclear weapons. Belarus now has nuclear weapons that have attachments to vehicles that could reach the United States. Both Putin and uh, the president have stated that if provoked, the weapons will certainly be an option of defense. And that would be a warning to all within the distance in which these weapons can travel. We also got updates that Russia launched airstrikes across Ukraine overnight hitting the central cities uh, just two days after they originally had rocked uh, Kriri Viri. If I said that at all, it sounds like a lot of vowels in a <laughs> row, uh, but ultimately same destination of the Tuesday attack was hit last night. Ukrainian forces, however, are claiming success in their offensive in the southeast, while Russia says its troops had repelled offensive operations around uh, the Zaporizhia nuclear plant. NATO is continuing to support Ukraine, is looking to continue to make a difference on the battlefield. The UN nuclear watchdog is continuing to monitor the outpour of shelling near the nuclear power plant on Thursday, and they will be visiting it to monitor that, as well as a stop at the dam that had collapsed the week before. But ultimately, it looks like we don't see a slowdown of uh, battle anytime soon. And again, conflicting headlines as to who's actually taking over which regions and progressing as we look at a battle of news headlines as well as a battle on the battlefield. Well, Tanner, we are continuing to watch retail fertilizer prices continue to come back down this week after we saw a couple weeks there of higher prices. A new month, but old trends continue as retail fertilizer prices saw for the full first full week of June, a vast majority of prices are still lower compared to one month ago. Seven of the eight major fertilizers were less expensive than last month, and only three fertilizers were noticeably cheaper, which is, again, a move of 5% lower or more. Anhydrous was 14% lower compared to the month prior, now coming in at around $787 per ton. UAN also significantly less expensive, down 8%. And all in all, Tanner, it's good news that we're trending in the right direction here, continue to be trending in the right direction. Yeah, that's uh, correct. 
much needed as we see commodity price prices slip a little lower than levels they were at last year. I'm all out of news. Is it time to see where markets are going to open today? Let's do that here, Tanner, as we hop into the opening session here. Markets are just getting settled up from the overnights. July corn added about eight pennies in the overnight to open here this morning at 616. Dees new crop corn added 11 and three quarters cents will open at 561. In the soybean pits, the July contract 17 and a half cents higher at 1405 and three quarters. November 21 and a half cents higher in the overnight here. Opening bell this morning at 1261 and a half. In the hard red July winter wheat contract, it added seven and three quarters cents in the overnight. We'll open at 793 and a half. And in livestock here today to open, had a little bit of weakness yesterday as August will open $2.95 lower at $170.97. August feeder cattle down the limit yesterday to open this morning at $235.90. And August Lean Hogs got a nice little bump yesterday up $2.25, opening here this morning at $89.67 and a half. We are chatting today, Tanner, with Liza Gusterer of Smaxtech Technology for the dairy industry. So let's turn it over to that conversation. Well, with June being Dairy Month here in the United States, we're going to be chatting with a few dairy folks, and today will be no different. We are talking about some new technology that has been developed to help detect mastitis in dairy farming. Chatting today with Liza Guster, the Vice President for the U.S. of Smaxtech. Liza, we are super excited to learn more about you and Smaxtech, so thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So, Liza, before we dig into the technology that you guys have developed there to help with detection for mastitis, give us a high-level overview. For those of our listeners who are not in the dairy industry, tell us a little bit about some of the economics that drove this development of this latest technology. Definitely. So, SmackTech's state-of-the-art bolus technology really allows dairy farmers to address some of the biggest challenges facing the industry. Um, you know, this is a unique and secure system that sets a new standard for early detection of diseases, um, reproduction, and feed management. We measure different parameters from directly inside of the cow, and particularly the temperature measurement is really what secures us early detection for diseases up to four days before you see clinical signs. And that is really what helps us keep the herd healthy and keep costs low for our farmers. Well, this is exciting. Like I said, anytime that you can get ahead of a disease or a cost-invoking measurement in livestock, there's going to be some clear advantages. But you said it monitors from inside of the cow. How does that work? Exactly. Um, it's a bolus that sits inside of the reticulum of the animal. Um, and from there... It measures temperature, rumination, and activity. And it stays securely at the bottom of the reticulum um, due to its weight and its size. So there's really no risk of that bolus coming out or going out the back end. So when you look at this technology and actually being able to implement it, do you have dairy farmers that are currently using this technology? And how do you go about implementing it into your system? 
So we have dairy farmers across the United States that have implemented the system. We've been in the U.S. market for about a year and a half, and we've had a very successful um, growth um, during our time here. And in terms of adapting the system to your current SOPs or standard operating procedures, you know, this is totally new data that is available to farms. So, of course, it takes a little bit of a mindset shift from being reactive, perhaps, and treating some of these clinical diseases to that proactive approach. You really have to trust the data that the system is providing um, because best case scenario, it warns you before that animal is really looking sick. And that's our key opportunity to go in and take action right there. Yeah, because I coming from a livestock family myself, it always fascinates me, the older generations, how good they are at physically observing an animal and when they are sick. The information, though, is delivered to the producers through an internet network, right? Or through the cloud? How, how do the producers get the information? So the bolus sends its, um, its data to a central readout device, and that readout device has an integrated SIM card. So there's no need for, um, for Ethernet or for Wi-Fi. And all of that data gets sent up to the cloud, and then it's available via app or via a web-based platform to as many users as need to have access to it, and really anytime and anywhere. So all of our data is generated into a very easy list, to-do list, um, and the system also generates notifications and push notifications um, when an animal is behaving differently than it should. So you said that any users at any time. So this is something the producer can share with their vet or with their nutritionist at the live real time? Exactly. Their vets, their nutritionists, any farm employees um, can have access to the data if the, the owner of that data chooses to share it. So as far as you mentioned sending everything to the cloud, and whatnot, but as we know, a lot of folks in rural America don't have the best rural broadband. How does that work if folks don't have a great signal? Are they still able to share that data across their network to their team? So the SIM card that's integrated into the central readout device will really dial into the best available network. And in those cases where we don't have an available network or a very steady available network, we can use Ethernet. So in order to retrieve the data, really all you need is internet on your computer or on your cell phone. That's interesting because that's a good point, Delaney, that sometimes service can be spotty at most. So as you look towards the results that you've seen, what are the most common items, diseases, complications that you and your equipment is able to prevent as far as dairy herd goes? Great question. So generally speaking, a temperature increase will be indicative of an inflammatory disease like mastitis, metritis, a lot of the times pneumonia that really goes undetected because animals are so good at, you know, hiding when they're feeling sick because they are prey animals. Um, and really anything inflammatory will be, will be alerted through that temperature increase alert. And when looking at the temperature decrease alerts, that's your metabolic diseases like ketosis and milk fever. And it's important to remember that these alerts are really that first sign that that animal is 
starting to get sick. So way before, you know, even the best cow people could be able to see that cow, um, you know, starting to decline. So have you taken this technology outside of dairy cows? Have you looked at beef cattle or even sow herds on the swine industry? So our bolus technology is really um, designed for for bovine species only. So um, our main market is dairy. We do have some customers in the beef realm, but what we're really focusing on is, is dairy. So Liza, for any of our listeners tuning in that have more questions about Smack's Tech's latest technology, that was a little bit of a mouthful there, uh, where can they go to find more mm-hmm. information? You can go to smackstech.com. That's S-M-A-X-T-E-C.com. Or you can give us a call at our number 608-405-1548. Great. Well, we super appreciate you joining us today and exciting technology coming down the pipeline here for the dairy industry. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. It was a pleasure being here. There you go, listeners. We will be back again tomorrow with our Fry Yay episode, so make sure you tune in to that. We're looking forward to bringing you great conversations. Don't forget to follow us on social media. But Delaney, for today, what do you say? Should we let the listeners go? Let's let them go. 